Yo, what up? It's your girl, Killua. I am on my way home. I just dropped off Beam Beam and Bubba, which I'm so eternally grateful I can say that, you know. Um, I think the last time we left off, uh, I was talking about how Jacob was engaged to a girl named Vanessa and they had gotten kicked out because they had stolen some money. Um, and I was just kind of in a place where I was like super sad about what's going on in Palestine. And I was very emotional and I'm sorry about that, but it, it just sort of needed to happen. I think I needed like an outlet and that's honestly the purpose of this podcast to be real. But I was, uh, I was caught off guard this week because I'd been praying for so long that my son would get clean, like off of drugs and find his way back to a life that is worth living, you know, because at that point he was just kind of subsisting off of like one day to the next, or as they would say, like a day ahead of the devil. And I got a phone call saying that they were getting kicked out from where they were staying at the time. They had nowhere to go. And I knew that that day was coming. and I was feeling really anxious about that um, because I knew that that talk was going to happen. Like I knew I was going to have to say, you can't stay here. I will help you find some other accommodations because I love you, but this might require you to be completely clean and sober, you know, because I knew that that's the most viable option, especially here in Portland. I'm, I'm grateful to say that there's a number of places people can go and live if they feel the need to get clean and start their life over, which is something that needs to be available, especially in a city like ours that struggles with addiction issues and mental health. So I got a call. I went and I picked them up and I was able to network. So my friend Cody Blackburn was able to get me a number of a few recovery homes within, you know, the Southeast Portland area uh, and the managers that run those facilities and sort of get me in connection with them. I was able to get in touch with a woman named Karen who actually knew my old neighbor, Doug, who I didn't know, but he is one of the main people that help coordinate, um, like assistance for housing through OHP, uh, with a treatment option or a treatment plan through, uh, outpatient treatment program. So if you go into treatment and you opt to do outpatient treatment, he can use the treatment plan and, you know, get you some type of assistance for paying rent at these facilities through something called flex pay, uh, through Oregon health plan. So if you guys don't know about that, that's an option. So I was grateful to come into contact with those people the same exact day while Jacob was sitting at the DHS office and I'm looking up shelters, you know, cause I don't have any idea how to go about this. Like, it's not like I've had to do that for myself or anyone else before. And I was just really nervous that I wouldn't come up with a a good solution to his problem, you know? And fortunately I got the word from Jacob and Vanessa that they were willing to completely get clean, like as a no pot 
at all. Um, and to work really hard, get a job, go to school, get their life back on track. And I had confirmation that they were about 20 days clean at the time. So that helps quite a bit with regard to getting them into some type of housing that was suitable. And I managed to get them into some place down in Oregon City, which is fantastic. Like, I'm so grateful for that. They, It was just a big, I, I prayed on it really hard. And as they came out of the DHS office with no answers other than, you know, good luck at the shelters, I was able to say, okay, let's go get your stuff. I got you a room and a house that can accommodate you guys for up to six months. And in that time frame, you need to be looking for jobs and things like that and stay clean. And so I've been waiting for that for a long time. And I was curious how that would go because I know that Jacob is really dependent upon weed in order to help him cope with his bipolar disorder. And so I was really worried that that would pose a problem. You know, like I thought, I just never thought he'd ever get off that, you know, like it just really stole a lot of his time and opportunities, you know, as, especially as a young kid without a fucking diploma, I was like, God, you know, like, what are we going to do? And I say, we, I mean me, cause there's nobody else fucking standing here helping me figure this shit out with it. But I was like, no. So I got it handled. And shortly after they were there, uh, Jacob started going to church, which is really good for him because he needs, he needs a higher power to lean on you know he's he's a very driven focused kid and if he decides that he wants to do something he's going to do it even if it's not good for him you know at the time and so I feel I felt very strongly that religion or even just you know a higher power would help channel some of that into doing positive things for himself which I was correct and he managed to get into a really good church that he was making friends at and I felt like maybe him and Vanessa weren't on the same page you know like I could see that that was very different from what she was ready to do and he felt the same way to some extent I think that he didn't realize he had kind of transferred some of his emotions over from summer and then he hadn't fully processed the grief of losing her because he just jumped in with Vanessa so quickly and so he's finally had time to like stop and sort stuff out and realize like look I probably I'm not being fair to her I'm not being fair to myself and I'm not giving myself a full opportunity to remain sober if I'm going into this relationship with the concept of us versus just me and my sobriety which is a big deal because Jacob's always been in partnership to some degree he's he really doesn't like to be alone And I'm, I just can't, I still sit here and I'm like, wow, like the growth that this kid is showing me is insane. Like I just, I wasn't prepared to see him turn himself around like that fast. And actually like, you know, my bullshit reader is fairly strong and I am not picking up on any bullshit here. Like this feels really authentic and I'm obviously I'm a bit biased and I have high hopes in this you know, category, but I think it's like a valid thing that's happening. So I just wanted to keep you guys in the loop on that. Uh, And circling back to the Vanessa thing, he decided to call off the engagement um, just because of some stuff that happened between the two of them. 
that I'm not going to share fully because I feel like it's not my place to, but that was sort of like a turning point, you know, and this house that they had signed a contract, it was for a two person room. Um, and that means he needed to find, they needed to find another room for him and their program. And it probably wouldn't be in the same house, which he was really devastated because he really made very close friends there and he was feeling positive about the location and he hadn't, uh, he had missed an opportunity for a job at Winco because Vanessa failed to tell him that Winco was trying to get a hold of him. Um, she was upset and probably distracted and didn't consider that they had called him multiple times that day to offer him a job. And so he ended up losing out on that opportunity and he was really upset. And I explained to him that everything happens for a reason because God does have a plan. You know, whether you see it or not, it's still there. Like you have to have faith that this is all for a reason. Like shit doesn't just happen. You know, it, it is really full of purpose regardless if you can understand it at the time or not. And it does like anytime I've, um, and I'm not religious by the way, but I am saying this because I am very connected to God. Um, anytime my faith was lacking at all, I found myself in a darker place because I just didn't feel like anything was going to work out for me. You know, like I lost my ability to keep my focus that God does have a plan for me, you know. And so when you get to those places, it's important to tap back into your source, you know. And so I I explained to him, I said, dude, like the job thing, you're going to have more job opportunities. There's always an opportunity for you to work. It's going to happen it just wasn't meant to happen right now, you know, and they ended up breaking up. He had to find another location and he had just gone to night church to, you know, the men's Bible study that they have at his program. Uh, and they were able to, they have a, a faith-based recovery program through their church. So in the process of him having to decide between two locations he wasn't so hot on and he was feeling really sad and frustrated about that, he was able to connect with uh, his church at the Bible study and they got him in contact with the person who interviews for positions at their housing, like in the housing programs for recovery and people that are, you know, affiliated with their church. So he was actually able to come up with a backup plan one that he felt he would be more successful in. Um, even though he was going through this breakup, even though all of the grief of losing Summer kind of knocked him to his knees and he was starting to process it, like, sober, completely sober, and and still, like, just trekking on. Like, I've been so impressed at this kid. Like, what? He's now completely cut ties with people that are still using, who he's very close to and that he loves. He's really doing it. And I don't know how this has happened other than the fact that I've been preying on it so fucking hard lately. And I feel so grateful that that is reality for us as a family. So that's happening. Um, He's likely going to be going up to a place in Vancouver and I'll be moving him tomorrow Um, but that's on the table right now and I'm just really grateful for that. So I'll update you guys more later. I'll probably add to the podcast because I think this is only going to be like 12 minutes, but I just wanted to give you a little, a little tidbit of info 
little update on the lives of my family and I because I just needed to get that out there and express gratitude because that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. So I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yo, what up? It's Kilowatt. I'm back. Sorry. I just took a couple days or a couple weeks. I can't, I can't tell. I can't remember. Dude, it's been a while in my life (laughs) since I've been doing podcasts. Like I've just been trying to be present and experience my fucking life with my mom and my kids and not think too much about stuff because I'm still trying to heal some shit up and I found that like not talking about a lot of stuff does help and so that's me because I like to stuff shit away but I there's just so much that's been going on from the last time that we talked I think I updated you guys on what was going on with Jake and then more developed which to be fair this is the time of year that he naturally has like a cycle he does some Usually he does some type of dramatic thing and then everybody's got to respond to it. And like, (coughs) (coughs) pardon me, sorry, I'm sick. Um, And I didn't think it would actually be the case this year because of him getting sober. And I just thought he would be open to getting on to his meds. He had talked about that before he went into this house and... Uh, We were just waiting to get him on the treatment program um, and then have them refer him to a psychologist and things like that. And then he really, like, connected with this girl, Destiny, and they've been doing, like, church group and Bible study together, which I think is great because she sort of took him underneath her wing. And this is not in any way to, like, talk shit about anybody. I'm just... I'm just telling you guys what's going on. And if it comes across as me talking shit, I'm sorry. That's not my intention. I'm just legitimately trying to tell people what's up. And so I was grateful, you know, that this woman, this little bit older woman, she's got a six-year-old daughter, so I know she's a mom, looks at Jake like he's a little brother, you know, type of vibe. And I trust her. And I felt really thankful that a woman like that was in the house with him. And then as things continued, I noticed he was getting really radical with this religion thing. Like, I'm not religious in any way. Like, I don't know. I definitely believe in God. And, you know, I thought to myself, like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, each his own. If he wants to take it and be really extreme with it, that's, that's Bubba. And I am so happy that he's not on drugs, you know. And then I get a call from Brent and he's saying that Jacob is saying he's possessed and that he needed Mimi to come pray with him. And I was, I had literally just been talking to Jacob and he had said something was going on with him and I didn't understand what was going on until halfway through it. I realized he was in the middle of like psychosis because he gets really, um, It's the way that he types, to be fair. Like, there's so many... I mean, he's not necessarily the best typer on text anyway, but, like, he genuinely doesn't have... Because when he's in, like, this type of episode, a manic episode, his brain is working so fast, and he's so pumped up on adrenaline and shit that, like, 
he doesn't even take the time to type the word correctly, like even try to type the word. So it's just like a shit ton of misspellings. And it's weird that as his mom, I can see like when he's messaging me frantic early in the morning about the same time of year that he cycles around and does some type of weird shit. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm getting the part that I'm getting at is that I kind of fucking know my kid, you know, even if it's his mental health shit, I kind of know what's up. (coughs) And I was thinking, you know, I wonder if there's going to be some type of side effect, um, with his brain chemistry to getting off of the drugs and not having as much dopamine and, um, serotonin hits, you know, like what is that going to look like? And is it going to end up in like a, like a type of depressive episode? And I was concerned about maybe suicide or things like that. Cause they can, you know, present themselves in a lot, in like a myriad of different ways. And I was prepared mentally for like a lot of shit, but I was not prepared for a possession. <laughs> And I'm sorry, but I was like, yo, this is not a possession. Like, I literally had just seen Jacob the day before because he had gotten his haircut by Destiny. And he showed up at my house after church and he looked like Lord Farquaad. And I was like, dude, or Lord Farquaad, like from Shrek. (laughs) And I love, like, I don't know if you're aware or not, but I'm kind of a hair person. And so, like, you got me fucked up if you think that I'm going to let my kid roam around looking like Lord Farquaad. (laughs) that shit's not happening so I like I don't have a shit ton of money at all (coughs) but I sure shit I'm not gonna let him walk around looking like that and so I paid for him to get his hair cut and we spent you know the afternoon together and I got to talk to him you know about his religion and he kept asking me about like whether or not I was saved and I had to say like listen bud like I need you to respect my boundaries on my own personal beliefs. And, you know, that's, you have to be respectful of people. Like, you cannot, I know that you're all into this religion deal, but, like, you can't be that guy. And it's uncomfortable for others. It makes them want to be away from you. And I don't want you to isolate yourself, you know. I was trying to have, like, a real moment with him. And I thought it sunk in until he called me and or Brent called me and then I realized that we were dealing with a psychosis episode where he thought he was possessed and I don't blame him I mean he reached out to Jacob is still very much in his mind a kid okay and so he was raised by the Watts and and Brent and I and so he naturally is going to fall back to shit gets weird he's going to call family and he doesn't realize, I don't, I don't genuinely think that he recognizes the, the problem with that because his actions have literally done so much damage. They've so awful. Like, and I know in my heart of hearts, like when I talked to Jacob that night, so there was an issue where, and I'm not going to go into detail, but there was like there was like an inappropriate picture of one of my family members that was sent out and this person is a minor and they it was just sent to another from one minor to the other and it was just like like a butt shot because this kid was running around like naked and the other kid thought it was funny so he sent it to Jacob or she sent it to Jacob he or she it's not either neither here nor there one of the one of the minors in the family sent it to Jacob 
And <coughs> because Jacob was in the foster care system, um, he had connected with these kids. And I know that the, that this particular type of thing was brought up with the caseworker and some shit that they tried to pull at school and why he was being threatened to get beat up. And, like, it was, like, a type of, um, like, blackmail or entrapment or extortion. That's what it was. So in order to gain money for drugs and whatever fucked up shit they want to do, these kids would get one minor to send a shot of themselves to this to their phone and then turn around and go to the family of that minor and say, Hey, uh, I'm going to turn this over to the police because in the state of Ohio, if you text blah, 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 and this and that. So Jacob learned that while he was in foster care and in a group home. And in one of his episodes last fuck, I don't know how long it's been the very first year that all this shit went down. (coughs) Of course, in the middle of our fucking divorce, like everything was on fire all at once. And I was like, what? And so he called um, our family on the Watt side and was trying to extort them for $12,000. And that was horrific and really frustrating. And I had to like... Brent called me and was like, what the fuck? And I was like, whoa, what? And so I called Jake and I put it, I, I squished it. You know, I really did. I squished it because he wasn't willing to sacrifice, but that was also, he explained to me that that was sort of his way of like getting back at them for never calling him while he was in like DHS custody and never checking on him. And he didn't understand, you know, that like his dad had told everybody not to contact Jacob and that Jacob wanted nothing to do with us. Like, he didn't get that. And I didn't know that that's what his dad had said to them. I know he'd said it to me, and I knew that I was dealing with my own shit, so I was struggling as it was. And it was just a really bad time. And so because of that, that completely severed the ties to Jacob, like, in the Watts. I had to... I understood. I completely... I didn't blame them. I was like, you know, I get that. <coughs> it's the same story as when Jacob tried to extort me um, and my mom and he's got a pattern of doing that when he's using which is why I'm so grateful he's not using anymore at the same time there are consequences to your actions and it takes people a while some people never get over that you know like they're not they're not going to be able to open that door in order to keep themselves safe you know like they just can't risk that and when you do enough damage, there's just no going back, you know. And that's a really hard lesson that I had to learn personally. Um, there was like an incident between um, Brent and I where I can tell that this was like definitely where it all went down, where he decided to completely be done with me. And it was when I took some really poor advice from Lisa and she had typed it into my phone when we were drunk and she sent it and then I went with it because I didn't know what else to do and I thought like okay I guess this is what we're doing you know and I didn't think and that really fucked it up like that did a lot of damage and I know that that was that moment of like no return where you just can't go back like nothing will ever be the same after this moment and that is 
it, you know, and that was the turning point for Jacob at that moment with the Watts. And so because they're the most amazing people on the planet, like I literally love Shelly so much. It's ridiculous. And Steve and Shelly are like the coolest fucking people. I love them. And so I, <coughs> oh my God, I fucking hate being sorry. I'm so fucking, I literally hate my body. Anyway, um, I told Brent at the time I understood and I'm sorry. And I understood that they didn't want to talk to Jacob. Sorry. I got really distracted because of the cough and the turn. Anyway, Jacob had this episode earlier this week. Okay. So that's where we left off with the Watts and Jacob. That their relationship was severed and I understood why. Not going to judge them for that. I totally understand. I would too. You know, if he wasn't my kid and he extorted me like that, which he did, I almost cut ties with him and he is my kid. So to have it be like that, I, I could see why, especially if it comes down to your child, you know. So I ended up. <coughs> <coughs> oh my God, I'm so fucking sick. Getting a call from Jake and Brent. Possession is apparently happening. Jacob calls Shelly. They end up going to Jacob's sobriety house and they pray with him. And it turned into Jacob just talking to Shelly about what happened. And I don't think he understood. Like, I don't know if that was... That's This is where I'm at. I can't tell if that was psychosis or if that's just like a really fucked up attempt at trying to talk to your family that you wish to be closer to or if he legitimately did think that and that it wasn't psychosis, but he's just being really swayed by this religion. Like there's a lot of fucking layers here and it's getting weird and I'm anxious, you know? So I, I've been really talking to him about getting back on his meds because I feel like his life is just chaos without it. And, you know, we had a medical health professional explain, listen, like this is like, he needs to have medication, you know, like this is, this is a real diagnosis. Like he needs to be medicated, you know? And so I've worked with him and I finally got him medicated for bipolar and the schizophrenia thing, not so much, but mostly bipolar. Um, but all I know is that the doctor said it was schizophrenia and bipolar. As he said, a combination of the two. I don't know what the fuck that means, but I do know that one involves hearing shit and seeing shit. And so I didn't want to... <clears throat> press him too much because he was getting sober, but his dad had convinced him to get off his medication um, a while back, and that's when he started, that's when he fell off the wagon and started flailing out again, and it was just really bad. So I didn't want to press the matter initially, um, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to let him be a month sober from every every substance, and then I'll talk with him about getting on his program, you know, and asking them for a referral to psychologists. Like I thought, you know, if he couldn't get the ball rolling at some point after a month's time, I would just, you know, check in and kick things into gear for him because yeah, he's an adult. Okay. Technically, but he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know, he's still very much a kid. And so I'm trying to help him. And I realize that he's got some fucked up idea that if he accepts medication for his mental health diagnosis, he is somehow 
taking an action where he's doubting his faith in God. This was literally what he tried to describe to me. And I was like, bud, like, no, that's not, (laughs) honey, you're like, you have an actual chemical imbalance. Like there's some shit going on with you. Like you need this. Your life is going to fall apart again. And I, this is really hard for us. You know, like it's hard enough with Nana, but it's been really hard for the last couple of years watching you fall down. Like I just have never. Yo, I like never wanted this for my kid. He was such a sweet little boy and um it's so hard. It's so hard and so um I have periods of time where I look at my family and um I feel really lost because the aunt that I grew up with, her name's Thea. is in straight-up denial about my mom's diagnosis. And so she refuses to help me and refuses to believe that my mom has issues with memory and thinks that I've done all this as a result of trying to gain financial means. And I think that's really fucked up. (coughs) So I really don't... I mean, outside from that woman, I don't have anyone else. It's just my mom and my kids. And, um... My mother's diagnosis is really isolating for me. So as a person, I don't really have that support network. So it was really powerful for me to get a phone call from Brent and know that the Watts showed up for Jake, even if they didn't have to. And that while I know they are not going to be inviting him over for Christmas, it it felt really good to know that he's still can reach out if he's in that place, you know? And I, I just, I never wanted this for my kid. And I said, Jake, it's been really hard for your family. It's been really hard on us with Nana. I don't sleep because I'm afraid that you're going to die. Like Summer died, you know, like we've had a lot of things happen. Um, I really loved Summer and, um, I didn't in a million years think that little girl would die. Nobody thinks that this kid is going to die, you know, until they're dead. And I'm, I've had this perpetual fear ever since Jacob was little that I was going to lose him. And in a way, I feel like I did for a while. And it was difficult. Like, the fear and the powerlessness of just knowing that this happened something happened to your child and it fucked him up and it's impacting everything and it's changing everything you're fighting and you're not sleeping and you're drinking to sleep and to not feel everything and and because of that like everything is just fucking falling apart and and in, and in the end, I'm just alone and I'm trying to keep my fucking kid alive and keep my mother's house afloat and 
keep myself sane and still be a good mom to Braylon. And um, it's been a lot. And so I really, <coughs> I really needed to know that everything was going to be okay. Just one moment. I'm just taking a drink and trying to calm myself down. I don't allow myself to feel certain things because it is too painful and I will fall apart and I won't be able to function the way that I need to. So I'm really grateful for my ability to compartmentalize because that for whatever God known reason is my only fucking superpower. And, um, I ended up talking with Jacob about it this morning and really trying to get to him. Because I said, look, dude, you're scaring people. Like, (coughs) not every person with schizophrenia is a danger to other people. Most of the time, they're just a danger to themselves. And as we've seen in the past, Jacob has never been a threat to any other person but himself. Okay? Just where it, it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. And I don't have any feelings like Jacob's a threat. But because Brent doesn't understand schizophrenia and he doesn't understand the mental health aspect because he's come from a fairly well put together family, um, he doesn't know what to expect and he's afraid, you know, he's afraid for Braylon. He doesn't want her around that and I don't blame him. At the same time, I have to at least, it's, it's not fair of me and it would be absolutely detrimental, um, in a negative light. I don't know if I said that right way, but it would be really bad for Jacob to lose access to seeing his sister or the connection with his sister right now, because for him, his family is everything. And I know that because he's told me that. And I've seen the way that he interacts with Braylon since he's been sober. And I feel really confident in the direction that we're going as a family. And I felt really happy, you know, until he started kind of going off the deep end with the religion thing. And I couldn't understand why. And so I tried to reach out to his roommate after I spoke with him this morning. And he shut me down about the medication deal. Because he legit thought like that was somehow doubting God's ability to heal. <coughs> Which I think is uh, pretty fucking weird. Like there is a church in Oregon City called, I think it's called the Kissinger Church or something like that. But a little girl died because she had a fucking fever and they wouldn't give her antibiotics because they thought they could just pray that shit away. Okay. So the way that Jacob's talking, it sounds a lot like that, you know, like I'm like, whoa, like what church is this, you know? But I thought maybe Jacob just took it in his own way, like, because he's still learning and he's just trying to get into it. But unfortunately, when I spoke with his roommate, she said, how do I break it to you? Like, how do I say this? She goes, Jacob was plagued by many demons, um, and I was able to dispel those demons and rebuke them. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, so there's an approach that needs to be taken, and I'm, um, that's super culty. That's incredibly culty. That sounds culty. <laughs> Is culty a word? I don't know, but I feel like if there was one, it would absolutely describe this situation where it's a level of extreme radicalism in beliefs towards one's 
religion where they're discrediting science and medicine. And I'm like, whoa, like there's a reason why God gave us a fucking brain, yo. Like that doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't know. Like I'm going to take the medicine that I know will work and I'm going to pray about it. That's my approach. I'm not going to sit there and pray that schizophrenia is somehow going to lift itself away from my brain. Like Jacob can't do that. That's not how it's going to heal him. You know, I don't have schizophrenia, but I meant like if I were Jacob, that, that would not be the best approach. You know, like as an individual who has that diagnosis, there's no fucking way that that could be beneficial for them. And I feel very strongly that if you're going to take it upon yourself to teach my child, who's very vulnerable, okay, and impressionable, because he's in the brand new beginnings of his sobriety, and he's in the brand new beginnings of his faith, and he is really trusting you. If you're going to take it upon yourself to tell my kid that he doesn't need to take medicine because you have rebuked the demons living inside of him in the name of Jesus, I'm going to fuck you up. Okay. It's not going to come now. The way that I operate, shit will happen farther down the road because it's got to come at a time where you don't fucking expect it. I don't forget shit like this. I don't forget shit that hurts me. And I have a fucking problem with needing to see the scales. There must be balance. (coughs) I'll swing my fucking sword all day to find balance. I don't think so. You are not going to get away with telling my kid who is very vulnerable right now that he doesn't need to be taking medication for a very serious diagnosis. He's been hospitalized 13 times for suicide attempts. At the beginning of COVID, I sat with him for three weeks at OHSU at the suicide ward. I mean, it was a toss-up between OHSU and Willamette Falls, but I mean, in totality, it was a total of three weeks. It was fucking weird and awful. And uh, this is a very real threat that can take my child's life, Okay. I have, I have lost far too much sleep. I have lived in a state of absolute panic and terror that, that I'm going to get a fucking phone call one day that they said he did it, you know, because he had like a fucking manic episode and it scares me because I don't want to lose my kid. Like I have done everything in my life to try and give this kid a good life. I have done everything I could think of to make sure that he's going to be okay I even signed over custody of him to a man that abused me because I thought that that would help him get into treatment. I was dumb and naive and I gave up custody to my kid and he lost him to the state of Ohio and then he got stuck and I couldn't get him out because by then my addiction had taken off and I was fucking lost and I just, I really have a lot to say about this moment. Like it, it occurred to me and I was like, yo, like what's up? You really did that. Okay. All right. Fine. Because there's something that I learned. Okay. People are going to do whatever the fuck they want to do. They're always going to do whatever the fuck they want to do. And as soon as you tell them not to do something, they're going to absolutely fucking do that thing. As soon as you tell them 
that they are not going to do something, that they can't do something, that it's absolutely impossible for them to do one thing. They're going to do that one fucking thing. Put it on your fucking life. They will get that shit done. If that means running into the arms of somebody or running away to Ohio or leaving somebody that you thought was going to kill you and you didn't think that you could ever leave them. But as soon as they said, you'll never leave me. There's something about that moment where you find the strength inside of you to fucking do it. And whether you're right or not, okay, it almost, especially if the person's stubborn, it almost puts them, if you're really good at reverse psychology, that's the fucking move, man. But like, (coughs) I've never been able to manipulate like that. Like I just, I remember one time, like one of my partners, I'd gotten in a fight with them. And he had done something that made me really upset. And he, it was like at a pivotal time in our relationship. And I had a, I was going to leave. And he was like, no, I'm sorry. Like, don't leave. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, I I lied. I made that up. And I was like, are you fucking serious right now? Why would you do that? And he was like, I just wanted to see how you really felt about something. And I was like, but that's like so methodical. Like, how do you do that? You know, like, because I've never done something with the intention of getting what I want. I just do shit because I think that it's right. Or I do shit because I feel like I need to do it. I don't try to influence so much the stage, but I have learned (coughs) that has put me in quite a, uh, it's done me a disservice, okay? Because if your intentions are good, if you if you genuinely are not trying to manipulate a situation or a person, you can you can do things like that and benefit the total outcome, right? Like if the overall objective is to keep your family together, um be tactful, you know, but I wasn't I wasn't I just did things, you know, I just reacted and I've learned in the last couple of years that being reactive to my emotions has really done me a huge disservice. And so I've learned to be a little smarter, especially when I was with Sam because I had to, to stay alive. That motherfucker was crazy. And I didn't realize until the very end, which is why I stopped allowing him around Braylon, that that dude was bad. (coughs) And by then I was too far in it. Sorry, just one moment. And so I realized today, after my phone call, uh, just like I'm gonna cough in a cough drop, that um, this is one of those moments where you cannot insert your will or allow your fears to navigate your actions, right? So naturally, I have this knee-jerk reaction to flip out and absolutely not know getting Jake into a psyche bell and all that shit. Knee-jerk reaction because I know that this could be really harmful for his 
well-being and I'm concerned about it. You know, I want to keep my kids safe. And um, discouraging someone or trying to control someone is the worst. It's that that's like the first way that you'll lose them. And be it you're acting out of fear or desperation, like, or pain. Like sometimes people act out of pain and they're just so desperate and sad, you know, like the reality never occurred to them that that was a possibility. And so they knee jerk reaction shit and start fucking up their options down the road. Does that make sense? Like if you were to influence another person, the smart way to do that would be to do some type of, um, like reversing. Fuck. I just thought you, you have to forgive me. I'm also really sick right now. Um, you know, where you try and, um, you tell them to do one thing and then they, they instinctively do the other, but you knew that beforehand. So you, anyway, I said it earlier. It starts with an R. Fuck my life. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so annoying. So (coughs) that would be the smart approach. And that's what I'm going to do because all I can do now is just be aware of this situation. Had I been smart about my initial, like if I could go back from everything that I've learned when everything was falling apart between Brent and I, I would have just let him go and I wouldn't have fought at all. I don't think that I would have muddied the waters so much to the point where I couldn't go back, um, where we would have reached that point of no return and there would have been a chance for reconciliation, but unfortunately hasn't there, that's not an option. And so because I learned that painful lesson where I lost somebody that I love and, uh, my family because I reacted and I didn't think about it intelligently I I drove them together that way, you know, like that was sort of definitely a thing because by proxy, you're going to run to the other person that the enemy is not, you know, like if I make myself the enemy and you got this sweet little thing saying, I love you and everything's going to be okay. Of course, you're naturally going to run into that person's arms. Like I was an idiot. And so because I learned that very painful lesson, right? I'm not going to lose my kid this way. I'm not going to fucking do it. So when I found out, because she had tried to explain to me how her thoughts on the religion worked, and then she encouraged me to come to church and talk to the pastor. And that's literally been their whole fucking move is try to get me into church because it's culty. I decided to take another approach. And that approach is to love Jacob and to be there for him and continue to be the voice of reason when he finds himself in places of doubt. Because if I have learned anything, it's that Jacob burns through situations pretty quickly. And I feel like this will be one of those things, you know, the goal is to keep him in a place of balance and to keep him sober and to stabilize him with medication on his own choice. Like, I don't want to force anybody to do that. You know, that'd be fucked up. And so I'm going to do what I can do. And the situation with my mom right now is just 
she's declining so so much faster than I was prepared for, you know? Um, to the point where, like, Daisy got sick today. I am feeling really shitty, okay? And, um, like, really shitty. <coughs> and, uh, I said, look, I can't. I can't take Daisy to the vet today. Her cat is sick and she's puking. And so I got an appointment at the urgent care and I knew that I couldn't give her directions. You know, driving isn't a good idea, right? I'm not going to tell her that because I don't want her to freak out. But I, I offer to drive as often as I can without her doing it now because I figured out that she's just, it's not a good idea. And so, um, I, I took her to the vet and I had, Told her, I said, you know, just let them know. I, I already filled out the paperwork. I told them what was going on. Just let them know she's been puking. And uh, and we don't know what's going on, but we need to fix that, you know. So I took her in, and I sat in the car, and I was feeling really shitty. And I was, I, I was literally in my pajamas. Like, I don't go anywhere in my pajamas. If you know me, like, I don't fucking do that. And so, I mean, I got to be pretty fucking depressed to be going places in my goddamn pajamas. And so... I got myself together after I got off the phone with her and I realized, oh, she thinks she's there with Roxy right now. She forgot what cat she was with. And I was like, fuck, dude, like, okay, you know. And so I realized, like, even simple stuff, like just I'll drive her to the vet. All you have to do is go and sit with the cat and tell them what cat it is. She couldn't do that. And I was like, okay, that's fine, you know. She was very rude to the staff. They didn't like her. Of course, they don't know she's got Alzheimer's. They thought she was just being a bitch. But the reality of the situation was my mom was hungry. It was lunchtime. We hadn't ate yet. I was tired. I didn't make us lunch before we went to the appointment. And it turned into like a two-hour ordeal of not having food. And suddenly they only took, uh, they didn't take checks. They only took card or cash. And so I had to go all the way to the bank it was a process. It was a two hour process. And by the time we were done, she did that thing where she pierces her lips and I know she's fucking livid. And like, I had to explain to the staff after she walked out to the car, I said, I'm really sorry. My mom has Alzheimer's and she can't control her emotions right now. Like she's, she's genuinely like a lovely woman, but she's just not like, we're seeing the worst side of her right now because she just can't control that. You know, like she wasn't always really good at controlling it in the past, but she's like really not good at controlling it now. And sometimes it just gets really overwhelming. Like I used to think that we can watch shows together and she would track it. But the reality is it's just a TV on. She doesn't even watch it. She just, she's in her word search, you know, she's in her color book. She doesn't track anything. And this morning she was absolutely taken apart when she had seen a YouTube video about how the world was ending and she was totally freaked out and crying and I, she was having like a panic attack and I had to calm her down and put cold water on her face and hug her and tell her it's okay. And then I went into her phone and I reset the algorithm and I set up another account so that way it wasn't that material, you know, because I don't know how to get rid of that algorithm, but I know how to sign into another account, which I did. And, um, yeah. Whew. It's it's hard because I have a fear about when I go back to work. I have a fear about what my life's going to be like um, when she's gone. And 
I have to find work and I have to get my license back. So I'm in the process of doing all these things, right? But I'm, I'm getting burnout. You know, there's not anybody else to take care of Jake. Nobody wants to. Nobody can take care of my mom. Nobody wants to. And it's just me. And I'm really burnt out. I'm really tired. And I'm sick now. And today was hard. And I know that tomorrow will be better. It'll be my 38th birthday on Wednesday. And I'm excited to actually be 38 considering the last year I thought it was 38. I'm fucking not. I'm 37. (laughs) I swear to God, I relied on Brent so much to tell me how fucking old I was. (laughs) That seriously has to tell you how codependent. I had to be so annoyed. And so anyway, I'm learning a lot about myself. Uh, This year I learned I was 37. And I just laughed because things are wild and upside down. But I know it's going to be okay. Because the way that my life has played out, like, no matter what, I am always okay. Even when the most terrifying fucking thing ever happened to me. And um, Sam took a knife to my eye and was threatening to cut my eye out. And he had me pinned down on the ground and I was screaming. And, um... didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen and uh, at that very moment Bull and Ed came running around the corner and they say get off of her you know and they're like and I knew like that I had to get the fuck away from him and I made a promise to God that if he got me the fuck out of there that I would be the best person that I could be. And I am, I haven't always been the best person. I haven't always been the strongest person, but I am now. And I have to be now. I have to be. And it's a little tiring and it's scary, but I mean, look at my year, my year, you know, it it was scary and it was hard, but I also made a lot of really great memories with my family And I also found a lot of strength inside of myself to make shit happen that I didn't think I could. So these are all very good things to take away from this. And I'm going to continue to do that because that's all that you can do in a situation that's sort of shitty. I hope that you guys are doing well. I know that the holiday season can be kind of trying. And I appreciate you taking the time to stay up to date with me and follow up. And to those who are new, I I hope that when I share these things, that if you needed somebody to relate with in any way, that, that you'll find a lesson in it and that you'll realize you're not alone and that it's okay to be broken sometimes and that it's okay to not have everything figured out. So that's sort of why I do this. Um, And also it's just therapy. So I'll talk to you guys later. I'm going to go inside and make dinner. I love you. Bye.